guys random topic um i was kind of looking at the parsha kitisa for this week um and on the chabad site i came across an interesting article and so i kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit because it was about technology so it kind of caught my attention right away. Um, it's on Chabad.org. And it says, From the Golden Calf to the Silicon Chip. By Yehoshua B. Gordon. Uh, a guest columnist who wrote this. And... You know, it talks about the Torah portion of Kitisa. It has the narrative of when the nation of Israel was worshipping the golden calf um and it goes all the way into talking about I don't know how they kind of make this transition it's not a very smooth transition um but it says It says, let me see. So before the heading that says embrace technology or shun it. Um, I'll read the paragraph that's before that. It says an intriguing teaching sheds light on this. The Midrash notes, in quotes, the world was not worthy to have the use of gold. And it was created solely for the state of the Beit Hagmikdash. It follows that gold is inherently holy, created with the primary intent of enabling the Jewish people to construct physical structures that would house godliness, namely the tabernacle and the holy temple. But then it was specifically used in the most terrible transgression in, in Jewish history. So is gold holy or unholy? And then it goes into this. Embrace technology or shun it. So let's look at some of these words. Beit Hamikdash is the holy temple in Jerusalem. Um, and then for people who don't know what the Midrash is, it's classical collection of the sages, homiletic teachings on the Torah, on the non-literal level of Darish, any one such teaching so it's a type of teaching there is the more structured teaching in those books of the sages some sages wrote and then there is like a midrash like i have a book that's called um the midrash of jesus or maybe it's called the mishnah no, it's called Now I don't know what the name of the book is. Um, anyways. Um, so the heading, embrace technology or shun it. 
To answer this question, let's segue into one of the most important debates of our times. Does technology improve our lives? Should it be embraced or rejected? Is it holy or unholy? Um, so it talks about like the history of the use of technology by Hasidic Jews, um, saying that the Rebbe seemed to embrace technology. Um, there were teachings of Tanya that were broadcast over the radio. Um, the Fabringen Hasidic gatherings were broadcast over cable TV. Um, and it was reaching the entire world. And I guess there were people that were... Um, glad about this um it says initially the Rebbe's talks were heard worldwide through telephone hookups and technology advanced into video broadcasts and it says later Hanukkah events and Lad Baomer parades satellite feeds um there were satellite feeds of those uh, celebrations and people could see it worldwide and it says on the other hand technology comes with risks giving young children unrestricted access to smartphones tablets and the internet can be very dangerous the content they view could be highly inappropriate there are predators lurking out there the internet is a perilous place is technology holy or unholy? The response to this question is yes. And it talks about going back to the question of gold. Um, if you make a holy temple out of it uh, and use it to construct the tabernacle, there's nothing holier. And then they have this quote, gold was only created for the holy temple. And it says, if, God forbid, you use it to create a golden calf, an idol, then there's nothing more unholy. Technology is just like gold. When used in the service of God, there's nothing holier. Um, so that's kind of an odd connection that I don't think I've heard. Uh, they talk about Purim. How, you know, people can get connected that way. Um, and I don't know what people think about this. I mean, I've been kind of following this idea for a while. This, um, uh, this topic for a while surrounding maybe Jewish beliefs, uh, the most, um, conservative um, Jewish groups that kind of have more of a strict, um, a strict idea around use of technology, strict practices, stricter practices than most people. And the reason why it kind of comes up for me, and I feel like I've talked about this multiple times, but it's kind of interesting seeing like an article about, about something on this topic um, I've talked about uh, Frida Weissel, how she does the 
um, little educational videos um, talking about kosher phones and they gave their app and these like ways to kind of like block out certain things on your phone <clears throat> that aren't um, approved by you know the the Haredi groups so I've talked about that of course people are going to come park right next to me um so yeah I've talked about that um and I feel like overall um There's a landscaping service that's just parked next to me. But... Like... Yeah, I've talked about it. But... Overall... We might have to move. Looks like these people are trying to cut down this tree. Um, or at least inspecting it. There's a landscaping service that just parked next to me. So unless they're like just having lunch or something if they start working I might have to move if the chainsaw's got no they look like they're just eating lunch outside anyways um yeah this conversation about the the gator app the the kosher phones people using flip phones only phones that don't have internet or cameras or video um you know, phones that ban the majority of apps, you can buy a phone like this. You can buy a kosher phone. And it it's basically a phone that's built without all the features. You, you can't even get a smartphone. It doesn't even have to be a, a flip phone. It can be a smartphone that doesn't have all the options. Um, and the reason why it interests me, this conversation, is because you see it come up more and more and more in Amish communities as there are a lot of ex-Amish leaving or Amish that are in Rumspringa that are leaving communities, you see them, you know, struggling to keep, I think part of it, maybe there are groups, there are people that don't want to get exposed. So having the internet expose, exposure of the people doing bad stuff, that's something that I think is newly coming to light. I've noticed more and more people talking about cults um in these high demand religions um and i'm not just picking on amish or jewish groups they're all kinds of christian groups all kinds of new age groups all kinds of they're all kinds of groups like the cult aspect of things doesn't doesn't like skip any type of group there's always going to be these like leaders that kind of are these like fringe leaders that are kind of doing bad and to be protected from that, you know, pr to be protected from people finding out about the bad that they're doing and to continue being able to do bad, they can't get exposed to the mainstream because they're doing illegal things. Some of them are doing illegal stuff, um, you know, hitting kids in schools, you know, doing all kinds of weird like starvation and mind, mind, you know, uh, like psychological things, tricks that they play on people or not letting people get healthcare treatment 
different things like that. Like, they're calling the shots on all kinds of things where, you know, people aren't, um, you know, able to easily escape. They might not have passports or IDs. They might not know the language. They might not know the culture. Um, I've heard of groups that are in some South American countries. It's like in the middle of, you know, forests and things and places. And it's like you're in this rural area where people wouldn't even speak English. And if you're of a group that doesn't speak English, if you speak Pennsylvania Dutch or if you speak, you know, only Yiddish or something like that, like you're not going to be able to easily escape to some place where you don't have maybe you do or don't have proper documentation but you don't have access to it like how are you going to get the care that you need you know or the help that you need people are people get kind of stuck with the cult side of things people get stuck so i can see how with some of the high demand groups they really don't want anybody being involved if it's um if it's someone outside that's going to like expose them and make it known that they're doing bad things but i don't think i don't think the majority are people who are in cults i do think that um a lot of religions and groups of people that have these like intense viewpoints on things i know that they can be pretty judgmental frida weisel has a new video out that talks about her clothing how people kind of try to she didn't say harassed but she seemed pretty hurt by it like just her I could kind of tell like by the end of the video she was it was kind of a frustrating topic for her like it was she seemed kind of like saddened by you know people kind of um trying to like make her feel bad about not wearing the traditional Haredi clothing around the neighborhoods when she's in New York, you know, in the United States, in a major city in New York, taking tour groups that are clothed according to the community's guidelines for any outsider to come in. Like, say they have shops where they say, you know, please wear respectful clothing and they have a, like a list or like when you enter this community, please wear these types of respectful clothing and they have like a list uh, for people who aren't Haredi who aren't Hasidic Jews um they have another kind of dress code where they're like this is what we consider appropriate like no shorts no open toe sandals no like spaghetti straps like different kind of things like that like they have um different kind of rules and so she stays within those rules. She stays within the rules that they say for people entering their community to just follow those kind of basic. There's other rules too, but like follow those basic kind of rules. So she follows those, but I guess she still gets hassled because she's not wearing the clothes that the other Hasidic women would be wearing. She's not Hasidic anymore and they expect her to wear those kind of clothes so someone like her who's kind of like exposing those ideas who's on the internet who's saying like hey you know there's these people and you can see that it's like hurtful it's like people are kind of like like the more rules that people have to follow the more judgmental and the more 
oh, there's more room for toxic types of um kind of things are gonna come up like like I definitely experienced that growing up in the Adventist world um you know it was really hard to be open about any kind of sensitive topics because people were so gossipy I think the gossip came out of you know people just wanting to like expose anybody who's not following the rules of the church uh, and based on their judgment they felt hey, you know, if somebody gets an abortion, they should be able to say that. Or if somebody's having sex, they should be able to, like, tell everybody. Or if somebody's, you know, smoking weed or had a drink at a wedding or something, they should be able to go tell everybody. It's like, some people were doing, and you can see, there's, like, a range of things where it's like, if you're of age, certain things wouldn't even be considered wrong. And then other things are, like, definitely taboo in the culture. And so it's like well, all those things are taboo in the culture, but, like, in American society, it's, like, if you have a drink at somebody's wedding and you're not acting wild and you're not driving drunk, it's, like, that's just, like, a typical thing that people may or may not choose to do. But if you went to an Adventist wedding and went to a bar at a hotel because maybe they didn't have a bar at the wedding and went to the hotel bar and grabbed a, grabbed a shot or something real quick with you and your buddy from the church, like... Your friend, your buddy that you grabbed a drink with might go tell everybody or somebody might walk past and see you guys or that buddy might confide in another friend and then you'll get told on because you were with them or somebody might see you and just go tell everybody, oh, I saw these guys at the bar drinking, you know. So there's definitely stuff like that that comes up where it's like there's these, you know, groups. I don't think my mic is on anymore, is it? Sorry, guys, I don't think my mic is on. Hello? Testing, testing. I don't think my mic is on. I think my mic died. Um, there are these groups that try and kind of get you in trouble. And so, I mean, I say all that just to try to come full circle. That, you know, when it comes to... When it comes to, you know, religious groups of people, they kind of have their reasons behind why they want technology kind of limited. Like, you know, I saw the full development in the Adventist church of people having conversations and like sermons. And it was a big deal, you know, between the people who would, you know, watch sports or TV on the Sabbath or watch secular things on the Sabbath. Um, and at one point, go on the internet on the Sabbath. And now it's like... I remember when the Blackberries came in and sidekicks. And people would maybe pull it out a little bit in church. And like, check their email. Check the scores. You know, message somebody that's not there. Um, that's kind of where it started. Um, and now it's like people will be in church and hand their kid like a full-on ipad and just be like here like play <laughs> play games <laughs> play games during church watch a cartoon or whatever uh it might be religious it might be some you know spelling game or like some religious cartoon about noah or something but it's like devices are definitely used in church now um more than ever before 
Um, and you don't really hear sermons about people even saying like, oh, no secular stuff on the Sabbath, like turn off the TV, turn off the radio. You can only watch like Nature Channel or TBN or whatever. You don't even hear those conversations anymore. Um, so I could see in maybe these stricter Jewish cultures where they're kind of trying to figure out, you know, what, what relationship do we need to have with technology? And the reason why I compare the Amish is because the Amish usually don't live like in the middle of a city. Um, there are a lot of Hasidic Jews. Um, I think the largest populations uh, live in New York, to my understanding, probably in Israel too, but there's a lot, there's a huge population that lives in, in different places in New York, and it's very common that people are in New York, and um, that's like a whole, I mean, it's one of the busiest cities in the world. Um, it's one of the most modern cities in the world. And so it's interesting to try to see people reject technology to some extent in a place that's just about as modernized as things are going to get. Um, if you look at places like L.A., Tokyo, San Francisco, uh, New York, you know, London, you know, there's some major cities that are on the map that, like, you wouldn't say that, like, they're behind technologically. They're usually you know like when wi-fi became popular and all these kind of things like you know the newest shoes you can usually get there the newest clothes you can usually get there the newest styles the newest fashions come out of some of these places the newest uh like robotics and computer technologies and things come out of these places like they're pretty technologically advanced places so to even say like oh don't you know don't uh you know, don't, don't talk about it, don't be involved with it, um, you know, it's gonna be hard, like, it might affect you with your work, it might affect you with your school, if you're in a pretty close, separate society, you know, your school or jobs, if you're working with a family business or, like, someone else's family's business, they might have already structured it so that you don't need to have to use the internet or anything, um, I really do like trying to learn about the economy of Hasidic Jews in New York because it just seems a little complex because it's one of the most expensive cities to live. Um, I know there was this way back in like the 90s, there was some kind of like movie trying to get like blacks and Jews kind of more friendly and it was like, I guess they kind of bonded over basketball and they were living in kind of maybe like, you know, cheaper apartments. Um, I mean, not that there's really a cheaper in New York, but I mean, cheaper than the other ones. Whatever was the most affordable, there was like this competition between the some groups of Hasidic Jews and blacks because, you know, um, their income might have been lower. Like the the systemic oppression for the blacks and then for the Jewish people it was more like um I don't know if you would call it systemic oppression because I feel like 
okay, this is what I understand just from the limited new information that I have. It seems like the males are kind of more, in some groups, the males are more more discouraged from um, studying outside of religious studies. And so they don't really get encouraged to learn English. They don't really get encouraged to study, you know, in English. And so they're not very proficient in English. uh, Unless they're kind of like part of society in a way where they like work at a store or something. Or like work somewhere where they're interacting with the general public that's not Hasidic. Because there are non-Hasidic people who live in Hasidic neighborhoods in predominantly Hasidic neighborhoods um but you know there are people who basically are trying you know they're trying to be I guess they try to be helpful um but yeah, there are definitely people who who aren't Hasidic that live in these neighborhoods too. And um there's a lot of people that are trying to like I guess kind of decide within their society like is it the best choice to keep the boys so separate um one theory behind it they say that it's easier for women to have like a spiritual relationship with god versus men uh like not in that way but just saying that like boys might be more rowdy and more distracted from the religion if you were to like allow them to not just study all day and so they're kind of more expected to study more and there was this kind of theory or saying that people said you know like the boys have it harder when they're young and the girls get it easier but then once once marriage comes in the men get it kind of a little more relaxed and then the women are the ones who kind of have a whole a whole lot more pressure um and I don't really know I mean that that was from them saying these comments I don't really know um but they were talking about it surrounding like the learning environments like it seemed like girls girls went to school they learned but they learned English they learned in English and Yiddish and they could communicate in English and Yiddish um and learn more subjects in English um than the boys did like the boys were studying religious texts and speaking Yiddish and learning like Hebrew and studying in Hebrew and the girls were learning you know they learn the religious texts to an extent, but they're not studying all the depth of it. They're not expected to study at all or are almost, it seems like they're maybe discouraged from studying at all. I don't really know if that's accurate to say, but it sounds like they're discouraged from trying to study. Like if you watch that movie Yentl, that musical with Barbara Streisand, and it's like she wanted to study the Talmud and they that was just like not a thing that girls were supposed to do. And so she kind of dressed up in boys' clothes so she could learn it. Um, And I guess her father approved. Um, But, 
yeah, so looking at all that, it's like, it's just kind of an interesting combination of things. Like, you don't really have a lot of people saying, you know, that maybe like, um, certain, like, they're not really looking at that picture of like, the different, the different roles of boys and girls or men and women and how they get kind of like not they're kind of limited in their ability to to leave if they did want to leave their society like I've heard about people who aren't able to get their kids or can't have contact with their kids if they start living a more secular life and there's kind of this idea of people living kind of like almost like a double life like they're kind of secretly doing like secular things maybe they watch sports or they're doing some kind of secret you know they're learning English or reading books from the library and all kinds of stuff like that that like they're forbidden to do these kinds of things but it's also like you're living in the middle of New York you know it's like you're gonna learn about that kind of stuff like anywhere like it's it's gonna be hard to avoid it you'd you'd have to go way out of your way to avoid it um, and it seems like they kind of do, but then there is this like integrated society somewhat like people who aren't Jewish, there's this, or aren't Hasidic Jews. There's this one lady who was in an interview talking about being in a house, um, in an apartment building, her and her husband, and I guess she went for a jog or something and she wore, um, you know, sports bra to go jogging and someone in the apartment complex confronted her and told her, asked her if she could change or told her she couldn't wear that in that community. But it's like, it's New York. You can wear a sports bra to go jogging in in the community. Like nobody's going to tell you don't do it. But the people in her apartment complex had some issues with it because it was against their religious views. And so they, they even try to pressure it sounds like they kind of put some pressure on other people, even outside of the society, with the clothing and things like that. They really try to keep it, like, insular. And so, I think that's kind of the main purpose why they don't really want technology. Unless they're spreading their information so that others of their kind can hear it. And I don't think Jews are huge on, like, trying to convert people to Judaism, but if it if it happens along the way I'm pretty sure they're not gonna they don't seem like they're gonna be like opposed to it but they don't it's not really like a mission that they're trying to like convert people to Judaism necessarily they kind of just want to be able to practice how they want to how they want to practice um so I could see it that way that like it does help people to stay away from things that will distract you from your practices if you're supposed to be studying Um, I mean, I study stuff on my own. I study all kinds of things. And I can tell you for a fact that Instagram and all, like, texting and all these other kind of apps and things get in the way of me studying stuff that, even if it's not about religions, just cultural stuff that I study. Like, if I'm not diving into that, sometimes I'm just, like, scrolling around in other places. And it's, like, it can definitely be a distraction. It can be a distraction at work. It can be a distraction from just studying for things you need to learn for work-related stuff or for career-related goals. It can definitely be a distraction. So I could see if I was in a society where there was like that high demand where people want you to like focus 
and then you're learning all this other stuff that's like you know you're learning about spacex and you're learning about nasa and you're learning about you know oh the marijuana legal legalization laws and you're learning about you know all these different types of apps and you're kind of just scrolling around being entertained by it and a lot of it has like no unless you're 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 trying to find religious context to things a lot of times unless you're typing it in you're not gonna find it um or unless like the algorithm's like suggesting it to you because i search a lot of religious stuff so when i do scroll just mindlessly scrolling it'll come up but it's like it's only because i'm already engaging with it in the first place uh but if i stop engaging with it it'll stop showing up and the other stuff i'm looking at is going to start showing up so it kind of just depends what you're uh engaging with but even if you even if you only watched religious materials you're still going to get recommended other stuff and so you can't even just comfortably scroll like just the aspect of like an algorithm and your you know the suggestions the suggestions towards your taste um kind of being all lumped in um that's another thing to have to try to deal with so i don't know like it's um it's kind of an interesting it's like a new interesting world <laughs> um cuz it's like people i see a lot of people trying to revert back to you know even like people trying to live off the land more because they're concerned about the nutrition and the groceries they want more control over their food and affordable food and healthy food that they can afford and so they're taking control and getting land and like having bigger gardens and people trying to grow more of their own foods i'm seeing people try to be more sufficient self-sufficient in a lot of ways like that um learning a lot about homesteading and different types of things um i do see a lot of cultures religious people and non-religious people just people just kind of being over like this modernization this modernized western world it doesn't work for everybody not everybody's into it people can see hey there's some benefits of doing things in different ways you know maybe i don't need the newest iphone all the time you know but you get kind of coerced into it because it's like, well, you know, eventually that other one's going to be obsolete. Like I've got 10, I've got the 10 now and it's just about obsolete. Um, I had the four when it was maybe new ish. And then I got the six and I had the six all the way till the pandemic. And it was pretty much almost at a point where it was becoming obsolete. I sold it right when it could still be sold but now it's like nobody's buying the six. I don't think anybody's buying the 10. I don't know what number we're even on, but it's like, I mean, Apple does that. It's like your stuff becomes obsolete. Like what the heck kind of a freaking thing is that, that your stuff becomes obsolete, man. it's like, that's some kind of coercion. Like I've, I've never seen anything like that. It's like, you have to consider, okay, now I can't use the apps or I can't update any of my apps. So things are going to stop working right if I never upgrade and it might interfere with your contact your email you know if you have like job related stuff like on LinkedIn or like discord or whatever you communicate on zoom or whatever it may be even for work 
it might interfere. Like, you can't update the app. Now you can't use it. You need to have the new phone. Um, you have to update. Like, if you don't update even on your own, it'll update while you're sleeping. It's like, you get kind of forced. It kind of forces a little. I've never seen much technology like the stuff today. Like, my friend was telling me about a car that, you know, can't drive if it's not updated you know it's like I don't want that I want I want the ability to keep my stuff old maybe I don't want the newest upgrade or the newest you know software or whatever I want to just fill my tank with gas you know what I mean it's like I feel like it's getting to a point where there's a lot of things that have their hands kind of dipped into like your own freedom and it's it's subtle it's subtle it's at this point it's still kind of subtle it's not like completely um it's not like completely um kind of taking you away it is kind of subtle still um but i don't know it's it's kind of It's kind of hard to think about, um, you know, exactly what's going on, you know, what's going on with these places, uh, with these companies, they've kind of got a hold on you, you know, you're eventually going to have to upgrade or you just get a different type of phone. Now you have to learn how to use a whole different user interface, a whole different everything just because you needed to get a new phone because you didn't want to deal with Apple updating everything all the time. Or eventually, like, it's not like it's so often that you have to get a new phone every, like, two years, but I mean, like, I'm the kind of person that, like, everything I have, like, a lot of times it works. I had the iPhone 4, it worked, it's, I still have it, it works, just the home button kind of doesn't work properly, but the rest of the phone works. Um, it charges, everything on it works. Um, my iPhone 6, I sold it while everything was still working. Like, I I didn't really even need a phone. And my friend gave me this one, the 10. Uh, he gave it to me. But, I mean, I would have been fine keeping the 6. I would have been fine keeping the 4. Uh, but I got the 6 because the 4 wasn't updating. Like, I wasn't able to update anything. And it was kind of starting to get in my way. And so... And I didn't really want to get another phone, but it was like, well, somebody gave me this one. I probably still would have been rocking the six, honestly. Um, I liked it. It was smaller. I liked the smaller size phones. Um, but yeah, if I want to get another phone, like, it's like, okay, am I going to get another iPhone? Like, I'm kind of stuck with it, right? Unless I want to get all new apps, all new, like, there's a lot of stuff on my phone that, like, could I even transfer it to, like, a Google phone or like some kind of Windows like Android or some other kind of brand um I don't think you can really just transfer like that so I don't know like things become obsolete some companies really kind of force you into updating stuff like I've mentioned with Apple but I could see how this kind of stuff you know it takes you out of you know I mean in moderation you're you're not going to be like too obsessed with things like if you're on if you're on certain social media if there's not a bunch of other people on it that you know 
I mean, like, Instagram's kind of like, you know, you can have a whole bunch of people on there that you don't really know, but it's still kind of like, you like their content, so you're gonna tune in to see if they've posted anything new. Um, but I could kind of see why, you know, like, if you think about screen time, my screen time is pretty high. A lot of times I have things playing in the background, so that's usually why my screen time is pretty high. And then I'm podcasting, so I'm recording through my phone. That takes maybe some hours. Um, I'd say at the least every day I'm probably recording about 30 minutes. I'm probably recording on an average day one to one to two hours between like one to two days. That's pretty average for me. Um... And then just playing stuff in the background. If I'm driving around for like an hour or two, I'll probably have something playing in the background. If I'm online just editing stuff, I've probably got something playing in the background. Um, So that's probably at least... I've probably got at least six hours of time when I'm being productive, but my phone is probably still on. Maybe even more than six hours. Um where my phone is on and I'm either having it in the background on or I'm using it doing something creative using my phone which is productive but you know I've got to do it through my phone so um I'm doing it that way so it's on um and then you know I'll probably watch something while I eat like breakfast lunch or dinner and then there's the entertainment factor which comes pretty much at night like in the evenings if I'm not reading stuff I might read stuff out of books or I might read it off of my phone um religious texts or non-religious texts I have them in my phone or some hard copies of books and stuff too of different scriptures and things I'll have them hard copy or not um I have a lot more versions of digital stuff that I read like there are a lot of books I've gotten rid of and things. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very, you know, like even if you think about the amount of screen time, you know, there's probably at least, probably at least four hours where I'm being entertained, I'd say. Uh, approximately, I would say. Let's say each meal is like 30 minutes and I'm watching something that's about an hour and a half. And then let's say I watch a movie. If I only watch one movie a night, that's like another half hour plus let's add two hours. Um, so yeah, I'd say maybe four hours. There's probably four hours or so that I don't need to be on there on the weekdays. Um, and I don't really need to listen to things in the background. It's just become something I do, but I could see people being really concerned about that and then taking it, um, as some kind of distraction away from religion or even like the learning aspects seeming to be like some kind of distraction. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to post this after Black History Month. I hope the audio is okay. My mic died like halfway through 
and I saw still the the sound waves coming up on the app and then I realized my mic the indicator light was black like it wasn't on and so I brought the phone like a little closer to my face um but it was kind of like I'm sitting in the car and it's it was kind of a distance away from my face so I'm hoping that it's not too quiet in the beginning you might have you might have had to turn it up and I hope it's still actually recording because yeah my mic died I'm having trouble with this uh mic I think I need a new one it did not last me long I don't even think it lasted me a year it's one of those like $2.99 $2.99 mics um it has a receiver that you can charge through that's one feature that I like but it's a little fat and wobbly and not too stable in the iPhone lightning port and so when it moves when my mic is on it kind of you know stops the recording <laughs> so that's annoying um and I have another mic that I got that was for monitoring. I can't plug in headphones to monitor. And it's for like a two millimeter or whatever that regular headphone size is. But I have a little adapter cable, small little cable that adapts um, the two millimeter to lightning cable so I can plug it in. But I have to have that adapter with me every time because the new iPhones don't take headphones like that. Um, and I have Bluetooth headphones. I just don't like Bluetooth headphones. Um, and I have some over the, over the ear headphones. Those are kind of hard to use. Um, they're kind of harder to use just, um, mainly because they're, um, you know, it kind of pinches on my glasses a little bit. And then I have just my regular earbuds that I lose them every so often as well uh, but they work just when I'm driving I prefer the mic so I don't have something in my ear but I don't know I guess we'll see I'm not um, too concerned about this topic I, I didn't really know where to go from the from that little topic about from that article about you know explaining all the brief history of you know how the Rebbe kind of used and Hasidic groups kind of used um technology um and comparing it to the golden calf that part I just I don't really know what to say about that um I like the technology conversation but the conversation about the golden calf is a little it's a little far of a jump I feel that's my own personal opinion um now I could see how people could say it's a form of obsession of worship a form of giving your attention to a device if you are a believer in God and believer in a God that that requires worship it can take away from that i i will i will say that it can take away from the desire to want to worship the desire to want to learn 
religious things. Sometimes religious things might not seem interesting when you can just be watching like movies about whatever is on Netflix or something. It might seem a lot more interesting. And there aren't even a lot of religious movies on these apps anymore. So it's not like back in the day how you could kind of like watch religious movies when you kind of wanted to watch some religious thing. Like if it was Sabbath, maybe there would be more channels that had like religious movies on and like, or you could get movies. Like you can still rent them and get them probably from like the libraries or wherever people get movies. But, um, yeah, you can't really watch them on Netflix. You can probably buy them though online and stuff, but it's like, it's not the same. And so to try to get religious material, you can definitely use devices and technology in your phone and stuff to engage with religious materials. But there's just one click away from something else that can distract you away from that. Um, I think it's a good device for learning. I feel like if I didn't have the internet, if I didn't have YouTube, if I didn't have um, access to like that Safari website for those online digital books or like this Libby for like library like digital versions of library books and different kind of just like availability to stuff on your phone like I can sit in an afternoon just trying to take a break to chill and get some fresh air and do something productive and record an episode like this or sit and watch um you know, videos, you know, I've watched some videos about Rabbi Tovia Singer. I can drive around and listen to those episodes, or I can listen to Joe Rogan, you know, that doesn't really have religious content to it. Um, I'm not saying that, like, people should be judged for not, for not spending all their day with, like, religious material, but I could see how high-demand religious groups would be, like, trying to reject the iPhone or, you know, certain browsers, um, and then with the conversations that, you know, um, with those hearings, those hearings that were coming out where they had Facebook, Meta, whatever, about Facebook and Instagram, and I think it was Twitter, X, um, they had Discord, they had, um, TikTok, um, was there someone else? Snapchat. All those CEOs were talking to senators, senators in this in this court hearing about the lack of security um, on their platforms, where you know child predators can get on the platforms, and it seems like they're not cracking down on this. And that's a problem, you know. That that is definitely a problem. Um, I'm seeing more and more content about that kind of thing, too, about how many predators are out there. I mean, there's this group, um, Trilogy Media, that they have this lady on their team. They don't really post a lot of this anymore, but they used to post a lot of content about people who are, you know, trying to adult people usually it's usually adult males that are talking tech texting who they think is a 13 year old 
having sexual conversations and then meeting in person when they think this person doesn't have the parents around and they get baited by this adult woman who looks young she can sound young on the phone and stuff too and she kind of looks young when they meet her in person and then they call the cops and depending on the case like a lot of them go to jail or get in trouble sometimes they don't get in any trouble but they kind of get set up it's like a sting operation and i mean this is usually happening in la or san diego where these guys are recording and they moved that content onto another another website because i think they were getting there was something uh you know youtube wasn't really allowing it or something but you know a lot of these kids aren't supposed to be on these apps they're on them anyways um and then there's adults on there that are talking to who they know is a young kid and they're trying to like do adult things with these kids and it's like you know if there's youtubers out there that are able to just make videos like this you know it's happening because they're they're creating sting operations and they're exposing that it happens a lot and they're only mostly in la they do a lot of other like scam baiting kind of content too um but you know they look into these like child predator scams too because it's like um these people think that they're actually talking to kids and they show up and they're recorded on camera showing up trying to go on a date with a 13 year old in a park at their house um wherever it may be there are other groups that do it too there are plenty of groups out there and it's just kind of like pretty troubling to see that people can make content out of this and just say like okay like we're gonna create a sting operation and catch these people and they've made tons and tons of video footage about this type of topic so it's definitely an issue it's definitely a problem and it's a big enough problem that it's a big enough problem that other people see it um, and just kind of, you know, that other people try to kind of, um, like get away with this kind of stuff, you know, um, it's pretty sad to see. So I can see, you know, that's not good that it's not being cracked down on it's not good you know when people have screen times and addictions and addictions to apps and like we all know like about i think now it's coming out there's more and more information about like those dopamine hits when you're like scrolling through apps and stuff like that it can lead to anxiety i've experienced that it leads to anxiety it can lead to insomnia if you're just like up on your phone it's just that little some of us just that little bit of extra you know, um, energy, you know, that you're kind of like using can kind of really throw, throw you off, you know, it's like, and like I said, you know, it's not, it's not always, it's not always healthy. So, um, that's kind of where I'm going with that. I'm going to end this episode for now. I got to get, get some lunch in me and then, um, but for now, thanks for listening. Thank you.